Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Chapel Southeast podcast. Thank you for joining us for our study through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul to the struggling church in Corinth. They were allowing the culture to influence them more than they were impacting the world. As a result, the church was crumbling. Paul's strong words of rebuke and encouragement teach us many things about how we as believers should live in a dark and depraved world. Grab your Bibles and let's jump in. With that, why don't you stand with me and open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The usher team told me this morning, normally they, they bring me a water, a bottle of water, and they said, Hey, we, I think we're out of bottled waters. We probably took them all the, the, the festival yesterday. And um, I said, oh, it's okay. I have a nice coffee here. And they're like, oh, okay, great. I'm like, it'll just mean I'm going to talk faster this morning. But um. <laughs> so if someone has a bottle of water, you might want to like chuck it at me right now if you want me to talk slow. No, I'm teasing. First Corinthians chapter seven, we're going to be beginning in verse 17. It says, only as the Lord has assigned to each one, As God has called each, in this manner let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches. Was any man called when he was already circumcised? He is not to become uncircumcised. Has anyone been called in uncircumcision? He is not to be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but what matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. Each man must remain in that condition in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you're able to also become free, rather do that. For he who has called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. You may be seated. It's been said that the gospel changes everything. That is when a person comes to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, and they commit their whole lives to following after him, that they commit their whole life to him. Every single part of their being used to live for themselves, right? Their flesh was all about their happiness, their joy, their satisfaction. Whatever made them happy, they did it. That's how you spend your money. That's what you spent your time doing. But now that you've come to know Jesus, the Bible tells us that the old things have passed away. We're grateful for that. New things have come. But what we find out is that Jesus desires to be Lord, master, if you will, of not just part of our lives, but Lord of all the whole of our lives, everything about you, everything about me. And so not only does the gospel save you, right? You were headed towards destruction. You were headed in your sins and trespasses. You were headed to hell, but God saved you. He stepped in and he forgave you from all of your sins and he washed you white as snow. He made you new. The Bible says that he brought you out of darkness and put you into his marvelous light. Amen? That's you this morning? Yes. So the gospel saves you. But now as the Lord starts to work in you, he desires to conform you into the image of Jesus And when Jesus starts changing you, he desires to change 
everything about you. He changes the way that you love. He changes the way that you vote. He changes the way that you desire to spend your money. He changes how you might raise your kids. He changes how, like the type of movies that you might watch. And that list could go on and on. And if we're honest, adjusting, if you're like, man, I've been walking with Jesus for like three months or whatever, like sometimes like this can be hard, like going through this like adjusting period, this change process, it can be challenging. You know, sometimes, and maybe this is your story, um, sometimes like before you came to Jesus, maybe you were like an alcoholic, just given over, um, just you were a drunk and Jesus saved you, and then bam, like, you're, you just, like you lose all taste for alcohol. That happens to some, like that happens, that could be your story. You're like, dude, like God transformed my life, saved me, and I don't even have a desire for that particular thing that I was in bondage to. That's a good thing, but that's not the story for everyone. Our flesh still wants to be satisfied and we're learning to live this crucified life where we die to what our flesh wants so that we can live for the spirit. And what we have to learn is not only though can we trust Jesus as our savior, but we also have to trust him as our Lord, the Lord of our lives. How he, Lord, how do you wanna direct the affairs of my life? But again, it's not always easy. Sometimes we make mistakes when we're learning how to walk with Jesus. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, the goal is never perfection. The goal is repentance in that. The goal is for you and I as followers of Jesus is, is just to have a heart that simply just wants to honor the Lord. Like that's it. Just honor, Lord, you are now in control of my life. I'm choosing to follow you. You're not making me follow you. I'm choosing to follow you. And we ask him, Lord, show me how to live now. Show me how to direct my life that would bring you the most glory, that would honor you the most because Lord, I just wanna honor you. Like that's our heart. You've saved me, like you redeemed me. I just wanna live for you. And that's where the young Corinthian Christians are at. They've been radically saved by Jesus. They've been taught by Paul, by Peter, by Apollos. But because now that there's other voices in the church that have been raised up and other voices in the culture, they're saying conflicting things. And now these young believers, they're confused. They've been confused by many different things. And here in chapter seven, the apostle Paul is responding to this church, answering some questions that they had. Paul, what about this? What about that? Again, we talked uh, the last few weeks about singleness and marriage about celibacy, divorce, and remarriage. And, and the questions that they had for Paul was something like this. Well, Paul, some people in the church are saying that, that sex or physical intimacy should be avoided altogether. Then they're saying that if we abstain from it, that, that, that we're more righteous because of that. It's like it brings God more honor. But then there was others in the church saying that, no, 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 God doesn't really care about your sex life. After all, you've been saved by the grace of God, has nothing to do with you. And so they asked Paul, Paul, what is God's heart? What should we do? Should we abstain? Like even in our marriages, like what would honor the Lord more? How do we become more righteous? And for those of you who are, who are singles, you know, should we just stay single the rest of our lives? Like would that make us more righteous? Would that honor the Lord more? Like, what if I have a desire, I'm single, but I, I have a desire to get married. Should I not pursue marriage altogether just to fully serve the Lord more? Like, does that make me more righteous? And Paul, he's just seeking to bring clarity to their confusion. And then last week, we looked at the topic of divorce and remarriage. 
Perhaps the questions they were facing was, you know, now that my spouse and I have come to faith in Jesus, should we divorce and separate? Like, would that honor the Lord? Like, would that make us more righteous? We can fully devote ourselves to the Lord. Should we go on and live single lives? That's an interesting question. And we saw, though, that Paul took them back to the teachings of Jesus. Paul took them back to God's heart about the permanency of marriage. That marriage was designed to be for life. And he brought up a couple of case studies. Well, well, if this situation happens in the marriage, then this is what you, you should do. Here's some wisdom. And, or if that situation happens, maybe consider this. But again, Paul's response, though, was always leading the Corinthian believers back to the heart of God. And what we saw in this is that God honors marriage. God hates divorce. He allows it. He permits it. But he hates it. God's heart is always for reconciliation where that is possible. And in some cases, divorce may be an option. It's an option, but it doesn't have to be the only option. We saw last week that reconciliation is always the goal. It's always the goal. And even for those who are believers, but they're married to unbelievers, Paul told the Corinthians, stay married to them. If they're willing to, to remain married to you, stay married to them because who knows, maybe the influence of Jesus in your life will, will spill out or pour over to them one day and they too will give their life to Christ. Like, isn't that the goal? Isn't that the heart? And so that leads us to the, our study this morning. Remember, this is one consecutive uh, uh, letter that Paul is, is writing. This is a response. Like there, he, didn't, he didn't break them up into like chapter five, chapter six. Like this is just a continuous letter. He's answering their specific questions. And here we are at verse 17. He just continues. He says, only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each in this manner, let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches. As Paul is responding to the questions from this church, he's, again, he's seeking to bring clarity to their confusion. The first thing I want you to notice is that for those of us, maybe even here this morning, who are single or married or divorced or widowed or whatever situation you're in, whatever your status is in life, Paul is exhorting the Corinthian believers to, number one, to be all there. Be all there. The New Living puts this verse this way. It says, each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. What Paul is saying is that for those of you who are single, maybe, maybe you're single here this morning, those of you who aren't dating, you're not married, that is, the Lord has bestowed on you this singleness for this time in your life. And the Lord, if you're married this morning, the Lord has bestowed marriage upon you for this time in your life. Because listen, singleness ends when you get married. Marriage, according to the Bible, ends when you or your spouse passes away. Nothing lasts in this life forever. And so Paul encouraged the church to walk on the path that the Lord has called you. So often, if we're honest, so often, you know, we're over here in our lives 
We're in this situation, we're in this circumstance, and like we so badly, we want to be over here, right? We so badly want oh, what's over here, we we're ready for the next chapter, the next season, and if you're like me, social media does not help in this. You're just mindlessly scrolling through Instagram or Pinterest. I'm a Pinterest guy. I know that's weird. Some of you guys are like, dude, I banned Pinterest in my home. Like sometimes just scrolling through, you're just not even aware of what it's doing to you, but you're just, you're just mindless. Like, and what I've found out is by like just scrolling through Pinterest, for instance, I love DIY stuff and I'm just, my heart is saying, oh, I want that. And, oh, I would like to do that. Oh, I like that. Oh, oh, I need this gadget or like whatever it is. Like, oh, I really want this big house or like, I'm obsessed with like a swimming pool. I'll never own like a nice in-ground swimming pool. But like I, every time I see it, I'm like, oh man, wouldn't that one day like be great to have a swimming pool like in my backyard? Like it just, it does this. It makes us discontent. That's what it does. Whether we're, whether we're on Instagram or whether we're on Pinterest or wherever it is, that's what it's doing. It does to me. It makes me discontent. And, and sometimes I, I look at all the things that the Lord has blessed me with. And I'm reminded of all the things the Lord has blessed me with. And they seem in those moments so insignificant. Oh, but Lord, those things are so amazing. Like that, that house would be better or that, you know, swimming pool in the backyard would be amazing. I need that. Again, so all of the things that God has blessed me with, um, they don't seem as great because I want those things now. Now, let me ask you this morning, where has, now this is a very ambiguous question. Where has God called you to be in life? Like it's a good time, like it, it's good for us to always take these questions for self-reflection to be thinking like, what is the real purpose of life? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? You know, it's often been said um, that the grass is not always greener on the other side or some other analogy that communicates that, that it's not always better over there, wherever there is. But yet we don't take the blessings that God has given us right now. We don't take those things and run with them and, and are grateful for them or we don't steward them. We take them for granted so often. But listen, in this season of your life, the Lord has given you, he's given me everything that we need. And if he's called you to be single, be single unto the Lord. If he's called you to be married, then be married unto the Lord. I was talking through this, um, this last week with, with a guy and he's like, well, how do you know if I'm called to be married or called to be single? Well, what are you right now? <laughs> it might be overly simplistic. If you're single, be single unto the Lord. If you're married and you're wondering, like, I just don't know if I'm supposed to be single right now or married. Well, let me tell you, newsflash, you're called to be married. <laughs> sorry. No, no sorry. Like, you signed up for this. <laughs> now, listen, the only thing we're not called to is to continue a life of sin. And if you're living in sin right now, you're called to repent of your sin, to turn from it, to walk in forgiveness and newness of life. That's the only thing you're not called to. One of the, if I can just be honest this morning, one of the greatest regrets in my life is that over the years, I have tried rushing through different seasons. I've heard older people say a lot to me, um, take your time, right? Enjoy, you know, your youth, enjoy every moment of it because life goes by so fast. But when you're so young, it goes by so slow, right? I got married when I was 18 years old. 
I just wanted to be older. I, I thought when I was 18, I thought the ideal age was 23. I'm just like, once I'm 23, um, that's a long history for me now, but like once I'm 23, like that's when life begins. That's when people take me serious. And then I look at some 23 year olds, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should take you serious right now. Um, <laughs> but I can, I'm going to start living once I'm 23 or, or, and then I, I hit 24 and I'm like, okay, once I start, you know, we have kids, that's when life will truly begin. And so, you, you know, you're just obsessed about it. And then you're, you get, you get a kid, my wife and I, we adopted two boys about like nine, eight, eight or nine years ago. And they're like, well, not till I have more kids. That's when life, you know, a, a bigger family. <laughs> and then one day you wake up and you realize all the life that you missed out on. You realize that you were so obsessed about the future and the next chapter and you, you blink and your kids are now no longer three and five and six, they're 11, 12 and 13. What happened? What happened? For the first few years of my marriage, um, some of my deepest regrets is that I didn't take more advantage of like free weekend time. I worked a Monday through Friday job, and yet I was just so serious on, on uh, where I felt the Lord would call me one day. And, and like any ounce of free time that I got wasn't devoted in, in like instilling it into my marriage and just like um, investing into that relationship. It was like, oh no, but I gotta be at the church or whatever, you know? That's where I felt like the Lord had me. And I wasn't, I wasn't gonna just let it just come. I was just gonna go for it, right? Attack it full on. I was like, Lord, here I am. And I regret so much not taking weekend trips with my wife to the beach. I have a free Saturday. Man, I regret that. That was the time in our lives. Not that we can't do it now, but like that was the time when, when responsibilities were less. Before kids, before, you know, budgets and all of that, financial, like, ah. Man, I was so obsessed with the future. I missed out on the present. I wasn't faithful in the present. I was always obsessed about the future. You see, God has different seasons for us in life in general. And the things that we try and we wish away, we wish weren't part of our current reality, the Lord actually wants to do great things during that time in your life. He doesn't desire just to work in you and through you like in five years from now. He desires to work in and through you today. Listen, I don't want to miss out on fully enjoying God's blessings in the now in my life because I'm so into the what's next thing. Got to move on to the next thing. You know, my personality, I'm very A-type personality. I'm very driven, goal-oriented, big picture. Um, and if you're like me, we tend to just check the boxes. I love checking the box. I love completing a project, completing a task, moving on to the next. But what we tend to do is just check boxes and we move on to the next thing, the next project. And here's what I've discovered for my own life is that I never really get to enjoy the right now. Oh, I'm moving on. I'm moving on to the next project. What's next that's broken or whatever. Like I never get to enjoy what the Lord has put in front of me. You never get to enjoy the moment that God has given you because you're just on to the next big thing. And that's what Paul is communicating to the Corinthians. Wherever you're at in life, just be all there. Be fully there. Some of you, you're trying to run and you're trying to um, run from the place that God has for you right now. You're like, I don't like this. 
Or maybe you're not running from anything. Maybe you just doubt that, that God would even have something for you to be all therein. <laughs> you might be like, I don't have any passions, right? I don't have a vision for my life. I don't, I don't think God has anything for me to be all therein. Listen, God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for each and every one of you. And he desires to use you again today. I think of that, 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 that famous verse. It's on every you know, 18-year-old's graduation card, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you what? A future and a hope. It doesn't matter who you are this morning. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. What you've done in your past doesn't matter. You're like, listen, I, I'm washed up. Like, I'm up to no good. Like, the Lord can't use me. Listen, you're not even too old. I love that. Like, that's what, something the Lord put on my heart um, for this morning. It's like, you might be like, Ryan, I'm 75. What kind of future do I have? Like, I'm 85 or whatever. Listen, if you're here this morning, you're a little bit more seasoned in life. Listen, the end can be better than the beginning. The way that you finish your, your course, you finish your race, can be stronger than the way that you started it. And the Lord still desires to use you in this season. Or some of you, you might be like, but Pastor Ryan, you don't know what's happened in my past. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the sins I've committed. Listen, I know one thing, that they're forgiven. And you're a new creation in Christ. The Bible tells us that God has separated our sins from us because of Jesus. And so often, if, if that's your story, if that's you, don't live with your past projected on your future. God has so much more for you, and yet there are things in our lives that hold us back. They could be doubt, they could be just shame, that it's a condemnation from the enemy. Don't allow that to stop what God wants to do in and through you today. You know, it's been said, uh, Jim Elliott, wherever you are, be all there. Be all there. Be here right now. What's happening in your life around you? Grow. The call is to grow where the Lord has planted you. Don't be distracted by the there when God has called you to here this morning, to now. I've always said obsession about the future makes you unfaithful in the present. Obsession about the future makes you unfaithful in the present. Listen, the Lord will take care of your future. The Lord will fill you with hope. The call for you and I today is to bloom where you're planted. Bloom. Pastor Doug, over the years, I've always, Ryan, don't be, don't be worried about that. Just what is he wanting to do in you today? Bloom where you're planted. Bloom where God has you today. And sometimes we think the Lord needs to change our situation and not the person in the situation, which is who? You and I. Lord, you need to change this. <laughs> and if you don't, I'm out of here. Like I quit, I give up. Listen, more often than not, listen to this. God doesn't change the situation, he changes us. He changes our hearts. So be all there, be all here. What does God want you to learn in this season and at this point in your life? Maybe you're living in a place where you don't want to live. Why is God allowing you to live there? Maybe you have a job that you hate. Why do you think that God has you there? And he hasn't opened up doors you know, for, for other employment elsewhere. 
What does God want to accomplish in our lives today? And this morning, if you're a believer in Jesus, please know that he desires to use you right here and right now, and nothing in your life needs to change. No circumstances, nothing, unless you're in sin. But unless the Lord tells you to change something, then change it. But until then, be faithful and be present to serve him now. Look at verse 18. He said, was any man called when he was already circumcised? He is not to become uncircumcised. Has anyone been called in uncircumcision? He is not to be circumcised. Now, to the Greek audience, being circumcised was synonymous with being a Jew. Because circumcision was under the law of Moses. And Paul says, if you were called to follow Jesus when you were a Jew, you don't have to stop being a Jew necessarily. Like you don't have to change your ethnicity. If you were called to follow Jesus as a Greek or a Gentile, you don't have to stop being that. But you see, for for the Jews, circumcision was everything. Circumcision was their sign of their covenant with God. It marked them as the, uh, uh, you know, it marked their place as the people of God. Like this is who we, uh, this is our identification. But the Greeks or the Gentiles, the non-Jews, they looked down on people who were circumcised. Because to them, circumcision was a sign of being a part of a religion of a despised people group. And so on one hand, you had people still saying, namely the Judaizers, a group of false teachers, that they're like all Gentiles, like all Greeks, like they have to be circumcised before they come to Christ. Like this is of utmost importance. But then on the other side, you had the other argument. You had believers saying, no, 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 no way. That is an awful teaching. It doesn't have to take place. And historians have written that there was such confusion over the matter of yay or nay, that some Jews in an attempt to become more acceptable in Greek culture attempted to surgically reverse the marks of circumcision. Don't ask me how, it's pretty disturbing. (laughs) I took one for the team, okay? Just just trust me on it, okay? What What Paul is saying is that Jewish Christians don't need to reverse their circumcisions and Gentile Christians don't need to be circumcised. In other words, external changes don't matter before the Lord. The only thing that he desires to change is your heart. That's his numero uno, like that's his number one in you. You see, what's interesting about this is that it levels the playing field for everyone in in regards to being righteous before God or being good enough to get to heaven, if you will. You see, going to heaven, it's a concern for everyone. If you're here this morning, you're like, I would hope you'd want to go to heaven, unless you just don't believe in heaven. I would hope that you're like, yeah, I want to go to heaven. I don't know what path I want to take, but like, I want to go to heaven. The Jews... Their righteousness was based on their works, their performance, circumcision, keeping the law of Moses. For the Greeks or the Gentiles, they had a ton of false gods they were placing their hope in. And now that these Gentiles are coming to know know Jesus, you know, and the God of the Bible, and they're knowing the history of Jewish people, I wonder if they felt like, man, we kind of have a slight disadvantage here. Like we're kind of being brought in, grafted in. I mean, the Jews are God's chosen people and I'm not Jewish, but here Paul is saying, guys, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your your religious background is. He wrote something similar to the Galatians in Galatians 3. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free man. There is neither male or female for you are all one in Christ. 
And I, and I wonder if this is the same or very similar to how people may feel who don't go to church. And maybe they think, oh, you know, those people in the church over there, they really have it all together. They're the ones who God really, really loves. But me on the outside, I feel like I kind of have this disadvantage, if you will, before the Lord. And, and this morning, if you're here and you feel that way, you feel like you're not good enough or that God is, is more loving towards those inside the church than you, listen, listen to one thing. The people inside the church need Jesus just as much as those outside the church. I, am in, I need Jesus so much today, so much more today than I did yesterday. I just need more of him. I still need Jesus. I still need his grace. There's no advantage or disadvantage because listen, without him, we are all separated from God. We're all, the Bible says, lost in our sins. We've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And so there is no separation between us and them. The playing field is level for everyone. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard, but yet God has chosen us. He's called us. And that's why Paul says in verse 19, continuing on, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but what matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. That's it. So you could be unreligious or super religious, neither of them matter, but walking in obedience to the Lord. You might say, Brian, I'm Lutheran. <laughs> I'm Baptist. I'm Calvary Chapel. I'm Catholic. I'm Protestant. I'm just a good person. Listen, none of it matters if you're not walking in obedience to the Lord and keeping his commandments. None of it matters. You see, there are many people that consider themselves Christians. They, can, they say, oh, yeah, I know God. Like, I go to church or whatever. You know what Jesus said? This is what scares me sometimes. Matthew 7 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he says this, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. He says, he who does the will. Now, he's not saying work salvation, right? That's not what gets you into heaven, but what Paul is saying is that being circumcised or being uncircumcised is all irrelevant when it comes to serving the Lord and walking in obedience to him. It doesn't matter if you're married this morning, divorced, single, widowed, single parent, if you're struggling with you know, unwanted same-sex attraction, it doesn't matter. What truly matters, Paul says, is keeping the commandments of God, doing the will of the Father, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What matters is, are you walking in obedience unto the Lord in the season that you find yourself in today? Are you following Jesus? You know, some we disobey sometimes in our lives. And some you try to make up for your disobedience, right? You try to, you try to like balance the, the scales and you start giving, you know, back to God. You're just like, Lord, okay, I, I really failed here. I need to do better here. And I need to get back into your good graces, right? I'm trying to get back into balance. Got to balance out the spiritual ledger, right? I'm in the red right now and I got to get back in the black. And so you work and you try and you do your good things to get right with God. But listen to this, God's not after your good deeds. What did, he what, did, what did Samuel say to King Saul? 
Saul had disobeyed so badly, so deliberately. Samuel said this in 1 Samuel 15, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Saul was trying to sacrifice and make up for it. He says, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Like Saul, like, do you think that the Lord delights in your works and you trying to cover it? You trying to make up for him as he would, just you just simply listening to him and obeying him? He goes on to say, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and, and to heed better than the fat of rams. Obeying is better than sacrifice. The Lord delights in our obedience to him. And when we're obedient, there's great joy and great reward. Now, <clears throat> it's been said that in the 11th century, King Henry III of Bavaria grew tired of court life and the pressure of being a monarch. And so he made application to Prior Richard at a local monastery, asking to be accepted so that he could spend the rest of his life in the monastery. Your majesty, said Prior Richard, do you understand that the pledge here is one of obedience? This will be hard because you have been a king. I understand, said Henry, the rest of my life I will be obedient to you as Christ leads you. Then I will tell you what to do, said Prior Richard. Go back to your throne and serve faithfully in the place where God puts you. And when King Henry died, said, it's been said that a statement was written, the king learned to rule by being obedient. To write where God called him to be. Oh, he didn't want to be. He grew tired of his roles and he grew tired of his responsibilities. Listen, remember that God has planted you and I in a certain place at a certain time whether that's to be a good accountant, to be a good barista or teacher or mother or father. And the call this morning, once again, is to be all here. Be all here. But secondly, we should be all in. It's my only two points today. Be all here. I'm a very simple guy. If you haven't, you haven't noticed, like be all here, be all in. How many of us, we still come to God with our list of demands? Like, Lord, I'll serve you, but only in this ministry. Lord, I'll serve you, but only if the church like hires me and pays me for it, right? Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll serve you, but I will not submit to that person's leadership. Listen, the call for you and I this morning is to be all in. Look at verse 20. Each man must remain in that condition in which he was called. Here, Paul is repeating his point. Verse 21, were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it, but if you are able to become free, rather do that. Now, in the context uh, of this letter that was written to the church of Corinth, slavery was a very real thing. In Paul's day, some 50% of the population of the Roman Empire were regarded as slaves. And what Paul is saying is, is this. God desires and can use you even in slavery. In other words, God can use you greatly in your worst scenario. Isn't that mind-blowing? Because our flesh says, no, 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 God forsook me there. No, 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 God, God's not concerned with me. No, 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 God is very concerned with you. And God can use you even in the worst time of your life. He desires to use you. If we put a little modern spin on it in your current job, 
I know what it's like to hate a job. I don't now. Like, I love my job. Like, I know what it's like to go to work. You're just like, Lord, why am I here? Listen, the call this morning is to be, you know, to be a gospel light to where you're at. Your circumstances don't have to change for God to want to use you. You might be the only Christian in your family. You're like, Lord, like, I don't even like to go to Thanksgiving because they're just a bunch of heathen dog centers, like whatever. God's call to you this morning is to be a faithful witness to your family. You don't need a new family. <laughs> like, you're like, yes, I do. No, you don't. Like, God desires to use you in the lives of your mom or your dad or your siblings. We don't need to move to a different state. We don't need to find a new job. We don't need to you know, do anything else in order for God to use us. He desires to use you and I right here, right where we're at. But Ryan, I hate my job. Ryan, I hate Oregon. <laughs> Ryan, I hate feeling stuck. Let me ask you, what is God wanting to teach you in this season? I think of Paul's words in, in Philippians 4. It says, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, as a slave, they already knew that they were spiritually set free. They were bond servants of Jesus Christ. And now, because of that, they would do what was right with the right attitude for their bosses. As a sign of their faith in Jesus, they would continue to work. Some of these slaves in some of the most terrible and filthy and hard and despicable environments, but they would do so in a way that would honor the Lord. And one day, he says, hey, if one day, if, if you're made free and you're the boss now, maybe, use that position for the glory of God and be a good boss. I think of Colossians 3. I'm gonna read it out of the New, the, the New International Version. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. One commentator said this, the issue in life is not that you change your external circumstances, but the issue in life is that God would change the attitude of your heart. He's desiring to change the attitude of your heart, how you view your job, how you view your home, how you view society. It doesn't need to change. The external doesn't need to change for, for God to use you. But would you be attentive to how he wants to use you? Look at verse 22. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. Listen, he's saying Jesus, when he died on the cross, he set us free from being slaves to sin. Are you grateful for that? Being a slave to sin. Maybe that's your story this morning. You have not committed your life to Jesus. The Bible says you're enslaved to sin. And that's the worst employer you could ever have. But for us who know Jesus, we've committed our life to Jesus. We were bought with a price. He has freed us from sin. First Peter chapter one says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was 
the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Paul is reminding the Corinthians that ownership of their bodies has been transferred to Christ. They no longer have the the right or freedom to use their bodies any way they wish. You know, just as, as, as slaves were purchased in the ancient world, listen, we too, you and I, were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ on the cross and we belong to him. Our lives are not our own anymore. They belong to Jesus. How does he want to use your life today, right here, right now? Not in five years from now, not when you're, you get a new job, then, then Lord, I'll start, I'll start serving you. Right here, right now. And my prayer for our church, my prayer for my life is that you and I would remain faithful to our master, to our savior, to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That wherever we're at, Lord, I want to bloom where I'm planted. I want to be all here. I want to be all in. Why? Because you bought me with a price. Because I belong to you. I want to honor you in all everything. I'm not going to check out of my marriage. I'm not going to check out of my relationship with you. I'm not going to check out from the work that you want to do in my life and through my life. I want to be all in. May that be our prayer. Why? Because Lord, you gave it all for me and he gave it all for you. And this morning, we're going to close with communion. If you were handed a packet and the worship team's going to come out, Pastor Josh is going to lead us just in a chorus. This morning, we take communion. And in doing so, we remember Jesus giving his life for us. The bread or wafer, whatever is on top here, it's nothing special, but what it represents is everything. The body of Jesus that was broken for you. You were bought with a price. And these, and these elements just remind us of his sacrifice, his love for you. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing a chorus here and then uh, we'll all eat and drink. So just hold on to the elements together. Thanks for listening to this week's study in the book of 1 Corinthians. If you're ever in the Portland area, we would love to have you visit for one of our services. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ccseportland.com. We hope you've been blessed by this study. Stay tuned for our next series coming soon.